This is the Bigger Pockets Podcast, Show 39. You're listening to Bigger Pockets Radio, simplifying real estate for investors large and small. If you're here looking to learn about real estate investing without all the hype, you're in the right place. Stay tuned and be sure to join the millions of others who have benefited from BiggerPockets.com, your home for real estate investing online. Hey, everybody, this is Josh Dorkin, host of the Bigger Pockets podcast, here with the big guy, Brandon Turner. Hey, Brandon. Hey, I'm here with the little guy, Josh Dorkin. <laughs> <laughs> you fancy yourself a funny guy, don't you? <laughs> yeah, I'm a regular stand up comedian. Look at me. Oh, my goodness. I just flew in from New York. Boy, are my arms tired. But I'm. <laughs> Get it? Flew in. <clears throat> Awkward. Cricket. <laughs> yeah that was awkward all right so how are things man things Doing? are awesome things yeah. are awesome yeah things this is this is th- show 39 we're 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 growing every week we're almost we are, over the hill we are man we're we're you know we're we're doing really good we're i think we are on pace to hit a hundred thousand listens to the show this month oh nice that's that's insane that is insane it is it is so yeah no the show's going well and 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 uh, we've got uh, we've got a good one ahead. But before we do, I, I think we should we should talk about this little contest we've been doing. We should. And and this is, by the way, this is the last week we're running the contest. Yeah, uh, we'll, for now, maybe for we'll now. bring it back sometime. Yeah, we'll do something. We'll do something. Change but, things up here. Yeah, we want to we want to announce last week's winner, Jose Jose. I can't, I can't speak. Joshua, good name, good name. Joshua <laughs> Dean Gordon, uh, Twitter account Joshua Dean Gordo. Who uh, who said? I think Brandon's favorite uh, quote so favorite far. Favorite quote, yeah. Yes, one one word. The quote is awesome. Awesome, very that clever. Is, Good job. Yes. So so thanks, so he, uh, Joshua, and and he's the winner of what? Uh, six months of a Bigger Pockets Pro membership. So and that's pretty cool because now we can market in the marketplace and uh, any deals, opportunities, uh, wants and needs that he has, and and. Uh, what else can he do? He can see who's visiting his profile, promote his company through his signature, all sorts of cool stuff. And and if uh, if you're interested in pro. Yeah, where can they find out more about that, Josh? They can find out at <laughs> biggerpockets.com slash pro, Brandon. Wow, nice, nice plug. Good job. That was awesome. <laughs> you wonder why we put on this contest. Yeah, now now everyone knows. Hidden <laughs> agenda. <laughs> <laughs> but uh Yes, it was devious, and it was Brandon's idea. So you know, the king of deviosity. That I am. Yes, yes. Devious. All right. So it's a good word. It is. It doesn't exist, word. but I think I'm going to start using it. Do it. Yes. All right. So today we've got a great show ahead. Uh, we have with us Seth Williams. Seth is a Seth's a blogger at Bigger Pockets, as well as on his own site retipster.com. He's uh, he's been investing since 2006. And he's a he's a pretty bright guy with a unique strategy that we haven't really talked about too much yet, but it's definitely stuff that any investor. Uh, well, the 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 show contains lots of stuff that any investor can use in their own business. Uh, so with that, why don't we uh, why don't we jump into the interview? What do you think? Let's do it. You know what? Before we do though, I do have a point that I make really quickly, and and that is if you if you have any questions for Seth. Definitely make sure to ask them on the show notes at biggerpockets.com slash show39. And also, uh, if you like the show, you love the show, uh, 
definitely be sure to share your feedback, honest feedback on iTunes uh, and leave us a rating or review. We, we, we definitely love getting those and hearing what you guys think of uh, Bigger Pockets podcast. So please do that. Passive income without the property headache? It's possible. There's a way to invest passively in real estate and get monthly income without any tenants, maintenance, or property management. The Wealthy have been doing this for years, and if you're an accredited or high net worth investor, you too can collect cash flow without the headaches that come from owning rentals. How? By investing in a private real estate fund with PPR Capital Management. PPR's co-founder, Dave Van Horn, wrote the book on real estate note investing for BP. But he's not just investing in notes. Dave and his team also have an extensive background in commercial real estate. And with PPR Capital Management, they're strategically investing in both notes and commercial real estate nationwide. With over half a billion dollars in assets under management, PPR has provided individuals with a steady source of truly passive income since 2007 without ever missing a payment. Check them out at investwithppr.com. Again, if you're looking to get monthly passive income from an experienced team with a strong track record, go to investwithppr.com today. What's better than low money down? No money down. Now through Rent to Retirement, you can buy a brand new construction turnkey rental property for no money down. Wait, hold on. This can't be right. We need to double check with Zach, Rental Retirement CEO. Oh, hey, Rob. Zach, how the heck are you selling turnkey rental properties for $0 down? <laughs> it's not that complicated, Rob. Rent to Retirement has new construction properties up to $20,000 below retail prices. We also have investor loans with rates as low as 3.99% and down payment options as low as 5% or sometimes even zero money down. You get all the cash flow, appreciation, and equity for as little as zero money down. That's an infinite return. Oh, wait, wait. Let me get on this before we tell it to the whole Bigger Pockets audience. Just head to renttoretirement.com. That's renttoretirement.com or text REI to 33777. That's REI to 33777 to learn more about how you can get started investing with no money down today. Get your next new construction property at a steep discount or invest with no money down. Head to renttoretirement.com today. Whenever I used to travel, I would get that creeping feeling that I locked my back door. How do I know my property is going to be safe while I'm away? But not anymore, thanks to Simply Safe Home Security. I'm about to go on a three week trip to Copenhagen, but am I tripping about my trip? Nope. With award winning security and peace of mind from Simply Safe, I don't need to worry. Simply Safe is a super amazing alarm system that I actually installed in my house myself personally in less than 30 minutes. And there's so much peace of mind knowing that there's something in place to protect my homes, my goods, and my John Mayer shrine. Simply Safe systems have high tech sensors that detect break ins, fires, and floods, indoor and outdoor cameras to keep watch night and day. 24-7 professional monitoring at less than $1 a day. Plus, Simply Safe professional monitoring agents can even help stop crime in real time by speaking to intruders through the wireless indoor camera. Hey, hey, bud, get out of here. It's like that, but it's a lot better, I imagine. And if you buy the system and you don't love it, you can get a full refund with Simply Safe's 60-day money-back guarantee. Simply Safe has given me and many of our listeners real peace of mind, and I want you to have it too. Right now, get 20% off of any new Simply Safe system with fast protect monitoring at simplysafe.com/pockets. There's no safe like Simply Safe. Cool. Without further ado, why don't uh, why don't we bring him on? Do it. Bring him on. All right, Seth. What's up, man? Welcome to the show. Good to have you. Thanks very much for having me, guys. Appreciate being here. Yeah, we're glad to have you too. He's got a radio voice, doesn't he? He does have a radio Do I really? voice. He's got a radio a voice and a face that only a mother could love. <laughs> oh, thanks, Josh. <laughs> <Appreciate that. laughs> 
Oh, I'm just kidding, man. I'm just kidding. <laughs> hey, well, thanks for coming on board, man. We're really, uh, we're really excited to have you. You've been, uh, you've been one of the the fun BP guys, man, with your crazy <laughs> animated gifs all over the place. Sure, man. Yeah, I uh, just want to keep things alive and happening. You know, that's the only way I know how to do it. So, fabulous. Anything I can do to help. That's great. Well, listen. So let's talk about your business. Tell us uh, about what kind of real estate investing you do. <clears throat> sure. Well, I. Uh, I guess I got started with real estate investing um, back in about 2008. Um, and really what I do uh, is I, I buy and sell vacant land. That's kind of my my bread and butter. That's what I spend most of my time doing. Um, and I, I guess uh, is there like, like what, what exactly do you guys want to know about it? What's the. Well, that's 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 a good start. So you do vacant land. All right. Mm-hmm. And and we're going to definitely start digging in and asking questions sure. about that. What um, Are you developing the land? Are you just flipping it? What's what's kind of yeah. the strategy or do you do everything? <clears throat> well, really, when I first heard about the whole idea of vacant land, I, I was kind of like, I didn't really get it. I didn't see why that would be such a great thing or why people would be attracted to that. But um, really, I've found vacant land just to be an awesome opportunity because um, the, 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 the way that I do it is I contact people who are delinquent on their property taxes, um, and send them, uh, mailers through direct mail. Um, and then they respond. And oftentimes I find that usually there's a reason why people have delinquent property taxes. It's usually because, uh, they don't care about their property and maybe they inherited it and they just don't want it. Maybe they can't afford it for one reason or another. The fact that somebody has delinquent taxes is just a sign that something's wrong and there's yeah. a problem that needs to be solved. Right. Now, so go ahead. Well, I was thinking I always hear – I mean people say a lot of times don't start with vacant land. Don't do vacant land in just general mm-hmm. because it doesn't cash flow. There's no mm-hmm. extra income each month. And so when I heard that you did vacant land, it's one of the reasons I wanted to have you on here because – I don't know anybody who does vacant land. As a, yeah, I as don't do. I don't either. Sure. Yeah, and we've never had a podcast guest do it. So can you kind of walk us uh, through the whole process? Sure. Well, the two reasons you guys just said, first of all, you said that it doesn't cash flow. And then the fact that not many people do vacant land, that's what makes it so awesome. Because first of all, <laughs> no competition. All, well, exactly. There's no competition. I, I literally have not ever come across a competitor on a single deal that I've ever done. Um, and also it does cash flow. It's just a matter of, of knowing how to work the deal and how to sell the thing so that you're actually turning the purchase price into monthly payments over several years. Um, and really, uh, the whole delinquent tax thing, um, a lot of times the people who have delinquent taxes, I mean, like I said before, it's a sign that there's a problem and because there's a problem, um, I mean, they, they literally, in a lot of cases, they're, they're months or e- even even weeks away from losing this thing completely. Um, and as a result, I'm able to send them just ridiculous, stupid offers that no normal person should accept. <laughs> um, but but the, the fact of the matter is, if they don't accept my offer, they're losing everything. So it's, you know, what what's the lesser of two evils? So um, a lot of times I can send offers for, you know, a couple thousand bucks, a couple hundred bucks and people will accept that. Um, um, can, can I dig in really quick here? Yeah, Because so, And we'll, we'll definitely continue on through the process. So sure. I've got a property, say it's valued, easy numbers, $100,000. I'm delinquent on taxes. I owe, say, I don't know, a couple thousand bucks in taxes. Mm-hmm. And what happens next? The, the, the government's going to basically take this property away, right? 
Correct. Okay. Yep. So you come in and you make an offer on this $100,000 property at what price? $100,000, my offer would probably be somewhere around like ten dollars to $15,000. Ten dollars to $15,000. Mm-hmm. Okay. And they take it or they leave it. They get the ten, fifteen grand. They pay off the two, three thousand in taxes that they owe. They come out ahead slightly, and you walk away with a piece of land that's uh, worth uh, eight or so times what you paid for it. Yeah, and usually, I mean, one of the ways that I make it more uh, easy for somebody to accept is I'll tell them, you know what, I'm going to pay for your property taxes. I'm going to pay for your closing costs. This is going to be a cash sale, so we're not going to wait around for months for me to get approved for a mortgage. Um, and and a lot of times. The reason somebody is going to be willing to accept, you know, such a, a dumb offer like that is because they want an easy button and they want things just out of their life. This thing is a nuisance. It's a hassle for them. Yeah. And, and I'm that solution. So, Got it. Okay. So you've just picked up this this property for, for 15000 $15, plus your, your $2,000 in, in tax payments that you have to pay to, to, to help make it square. Mm-hmm. Uh, now what? Well, once I own the thing, um, I own it free and clear. Um, and an interesting thing, a lot of times if somebody has uh, delinquent taxes on a piece of land, um, it, it usually means that, I mean, nine times out of 10, that they don't have a mortgage on it. So they own this thing free and clear, and that's part of why they're able to sell it for next to nothing. Um, but yeah, I mean, w- once I own it, I mean, in most cases, my goal is to turn around and resell the thing as soon as I can. Um, and in your situation there, if a property is worth a hundred thousand dollars, I'd probably list it for, I don't know, 40, 50,000. I mean, a really good deal. Um, and, and as a result, I mean, because I've, I've basically acquired all of this free equity with this piece of land, um, you know, you're able to list it for a really cheap price and it sells relatively quickly in most cases. And do you sell it on terms at all or do you sell it straight out? Yeah. I mean, uh, something that's that I, I like to do whenever I can um, is sell it with seller financing. Um, and with seller financing, I can really just sort of become the bank and I can ask for whatever down payment I need to be made whole. Um, and the rest of it is, I mean, literally pure profit because I I've paid off everything I have into the property. And then for the next four or five or 10 years, however long I want to make it, um, you know, it's all, it's all things, it's all money above and beyond what I put into it. Right, right. And there, therein lies the cash flow, right? Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Exactly. Gotcha. Are you doing any kind of um, zoning? or? You, well, first of all, what, where is this land? Are you buying ag land? What, what kind of property are you buying? <clears throat> yeah, no, good question. Um, it's really whatever, whatever kind of calls I get. Um, I've had uh, land, you know, right in the middle of the city. I've had some of the nastiest vacant lots you can imagine in Detroit, <laughs> which I actually didn't buy, Josh. So you'll be glad to hear that. <laughs> I, I have nothing to say about Detroit. Why does everybody think I have a problem with Detroit? I mean, what if I said something over a couple podcasts? I mean, what? I have no idea. I don't yeah, know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. But, um, but yeah, I mean, there, there's anything you can think of really. I mean, I've had, I've had farmland. I've had vacant lots out in the middle of nowhere. I've had hunting land. I've had uh, lakefront properties, really anything you can think of that qualifies as vacant land. Okay. So you've acquired various types of land. Mm-hmm. You, you pick them up and, uh, so the question was, you know, are you, are you, uh, changing the purpose of the, of the property? Are you, are you uh, marketing it as anything, but the same thing that it was marketed as before? Are you, you know, doing any kind of development or are you literally just flipping vacant land? 
I'm just flipping vacant land. I'm not changing the zoning. The only reason I would do something like that is if, say, I didn't do my homework or if I, you know, if I, I guess if I bought something and it made sense to try to change it, if the value was going to go way up. But I, I've never done that. So it's not been a unnecessary thing for me. Gotcha. Gotcha. What, um, what, what comes to my mind on that then is you've got this, this land that you're, you're buying, it seems like, over a pretty broad area now. You know, uh, so, so I wonder in terms of the direct marketing that you're doing, presumably you're not just doing, you know, one or two zip codes. I mean, it sounds like you're, you're kind of shooting out over much, much broader swaths. Um, how do you, how do you decide on that? You know, yeah, Uh, yeah, I mean, when I, when I started doing this, uh, I actually, the way that I would market to people is I would call a county. So it would be county by county and I'd say, Hey. I want to get uh, your list of delinquent uh, delinquent property owners, people who owe money on their taxes, um, and, and it costs money. I mean, you got to pay sometimes a lot for these lists. Um, it just depends on the county what their fee structure is, but you'd get these lists and you'd send the mail out, and then every person who calls you, you know that they're going to be within that particular county. So there is some predictability there, but as far as you know, picking and choosing. Um, specific neighborhoods and that kind of thing. It's really just luck of the draw. Who ends up calling you back? Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. So how, how did you, how, how'd you get into that? You know, why, why'd you decide on vacant land? Sure. Um, well, back in 2008, I actually, I bought a home study course uh, on the thing. Uh, and I, again, when I first heard about it, it didn't really make sense. But when I, when I heard the explanation of, of how it all works, it made a lot of sense to me. Um, so I, I got that course and studied it and, um, have applied some new things to that and kept some things the same and kind of, kind of made it my own in a way. Um, yeah, that's, that's how I found out about it. Okay. And, and are you, are you doing other, um, strategies or is that really, I mean, are you buying, uh, you know, houses? Are you, are you wholesaling what, you know, or is that pretty much it? Yeah. Well, I, I've used the same strategy to, um, to get houses under contract and assign them to other people. Um, something I've been trying to work out a little bit more this past year is applying this more towards wholesaling. Um, so, um, just, just that kind of thing. Uh, I'm wondering if, uh, if you're buying these properties and then immediately flipping them to others, why Mm -hmm. not just like put them under contract then and sell the contract like wholesaling instead of actually Mm -hmm. buying them? Is there a reason or do you do both? No, that's, that's a great question. And I, that really is my intent to figure that out. I've never been really a wholesaling expert. I, I understand most of the mechanics of how it's done, and that's something that I'm trying to work on more in my business. I think really um, I, with land, it's a little bit different than houses, which is what most people are wholesaling when they're doing that. Um, land has, I think, kind of a smaller pool of buyers. Most people are not necessarily looking for just dirt. Um, kind of for the reasons that you guys were thinking earlier, they just don't really get it. Like, yeah. why would I want yeah. land if it's not going to cash flow? So for that reason, it, it can take uh, significantly longer to find buyers for certain parcels of land. And sometimes it's hard to know which ones those are going to be until you just buy the thing and you try to sell it. So. And that, that was what I was going to ask. You know, I'm sitting here thinking, somewhat listening, but somewhat up in my brain now. <laughs> I dozed off for a bit. Um, no, but uh, you know, I'm, I'm wondering, all right, so you, you've got these parcels and, and who's the buyer? You know, who comes in and, and picks up? I, I could see you know, a, a plot in, in the city, you know, potential developers, um, 
on the ag side, obviously, I'm guessing somebody who wants to maybe with with a a plot that's next to one of the plots that you're you're looking at. Um, but generally, it seems like you're now. It seems a little more difficult to to turn over these properties than it would a, a three two uh, you know house that that your typical wholesaler is going to probably go go for or, or buy you know rehab or mm-hmm. so on and so forth. Yeah, it it, it really depends on the property. Uh, some vacant vacant lots are absolutely they can take forever to sell the things because I guess the uses just aren't there or the zoning is some odd thing or you know maybe maybe the land doesn't perk or for some reason they can't do exactly what they want to do on it. Um, so yeah, those can, those can take a while. And I mean, others though, I mean, it's exactly what everybody wants and they sell, you know, within the week. So it, it just depends. So what, what's been the longest you, you've ended up stuck with, with a property and, and in, in that or those cases, um, have you ended up coming out ahead or, 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 uh, losing mm-hmm. money in the end? Yeah, I think the longest, I'm trying to remember, I want to say it's about six months um, is the longest I've ever had one. Okay. Okay. And and you, you still presumably turned it over um, making a profit. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. Um, I think, I'm trying to think, there's only been like one or two times where I've not made a profit. Um, one of them was when I tried to sell it with seller financing and the guy sent me two payments and then just stopped and that was it. I never heard from him again and he moved away and I basically just disappeared. So that time I didn't really make money on it. And another time, did you take that back? Did you end up uh, foreclosing on him or, um, well, it was a land contract. Um, so it's actually, the deed is still in my name. Um, the whole, uh, it was a pretty cheap property. The whole foreclosure process, I actually haven't gone through yet. Um, the land contract is not matured yet. So as long as I do it in the next couple of years, I can presumably get that back. But, okay. Um, oh, yeah, that's right. Michigan some, has some. Diff- Michigan has the land contract thing that uh, Clay uh, Huber talked about on his podcast. Oh yeah, uh, which we'll link to in the show notes, which are at uh, biggerpockets.com/slash/show39. But uh, yeah, it's a little bit different. I think maybe other places might. Um, I don't know. Seller financing is a little bit different, but you can maybe equate mm-hmm. it to kind of a combination between a lease option and a seller financing. That's kind of the way I think of it in my head. Does that make sense to you at all? Yeah. Yeah. And actually the, the money that that guy has paid me, I don't remember exactly the balance that he still owed, or I'm sorry, the balance that I still need to get totally paid off, but it was like really close. Like I wasn't really out a lot. It was just kind of, I don't know, like he mostly covered what I needed. So. Gotcha. And are you only buying in Michigan then, or do you buy anywhere in the country? Yeah. When I started, I was only buying in Michigan. Um, but actually now I actually get leads from a lot of places on one of my websites. Uh, and I, I send offers all the time, all over the place. Um, I actually just had one accepted last week for three lots, one of them in New Mexico, one of them in Texas and one of them in Arizona for 150 bucks. <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean, I, I do buy stuff like that whenever it, whenever it comes in. So talk, talk to us about the three lots for 150 bucks. What, what, uh, same thing. Was it just delinquent taxes and, and, uh, what are the properties worth? Yeah. Um, well, Brandon's smiling. I, I could see his, well, I, his, I got 150 his, bucks. I want a couple of <laughs> <laughs> put up a tent and go camp there anyway. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Well, <clears throat> the, the interesting things about the ones that come in, uh, from the internet is that these people just find me through doing a Google search and, uh, 
when I get those leads, it's not necessarily because they have delinquent taxes. Like I didn't send them mail because they showed up on some list. Um, so there can be a lot of various reasons why people just don't care and they just want somebody to take it out of their life. Um, this guy does not have delinquent taxes. Um, I actually have not gotten down to the actual reason why he just wants to get rid of them so bad. It could be he just doesn't want to pay tax bills um, or it could Damn be that. Government. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, not that there's really much liability with land because there's just there's not. But I mean, it could be something psychological. He just doesn't want these loose ends in his life. I don't know. But right, for so some reason. Yeah. So what are the properties worth? Um, not a lot. They're, uh, they're all mostly like, well, they are all very rural. Like I think the one in New Mexico was like way out in the desert in a subdivision that had been plotted, but no roads made. So, I mean, we're talking out in the sticks. Yeah. Um, from what I was looking at it, it was probably a few thousand bucks per gotcha. parcel. Gotcha. Um, so, I mean, we're not talking huge dollars, but the nice thing is, um, uh, it's just there's very low barriers to entry with this. I mean, you don't have to have ten grand in the bank, and you don't have to take out loans. I mean, the ability to buy these things and own them free and clear is huge. I mean, to not make monthly payments on anything, it's it's a big deal. Yeah, that that would be awesome. Uh, so, how the thing that kind of pops in my mind that would be difficult is knowing the value, like because mm -hmm. land. I mean, if you got a lot that's in the middle of the desert. I mean, <laughs> how do you know, how do you even know it's worth a couple thousand? Yeah, no, that's, that is a, that's one of the big dilemmas of land investing. Um, even if it's not in the middle of the desert, even if it's in the middle of New York city, um, those can even be hard because, uh, I, I don't know what the reason is, but the but land just does not have a lot of good, accurate, recent comps available. So, I mean, you can you can search high and low, but as far as getting like really concrete data to base it on, it's usually not going to be there. Um, usually what you have to do is find similar properties that are listed for sale um, within, I don't know, a 10 square mile radius or something like that. And this isn't necessarily giving you the value of the property, but it's showing you what your competition is. So if you list this thing for sale, I mean, who else is out there in the market trying to sell the same thing? And if you can price yours below that or have some terms that are significantly more attractive, um, again, it's not a guarantee that you can sell it quick, but I mean, it's just going to indicate that you're probably going to be sitting in a better position than they are. Gotcha. Gotcha. How do you find the buyers then? Yeah. Um, the buyers, uh, I have found, I want to say almost all of them just on Craigslist. Oh, okay. Okay. Mm -hmm. Well, I, and I mean, a caveat to that. Um, usually when I'm putting them on Craigslist, they're also going on postlets, which you yep. guys have probably heard of. Yep. Um, and that, that syndicates to a lot of other websites as well. So I shouldn't necessarily say it's purely from Craigslist, but that's usually where the business comes in from. And, and that, that service is, is a pretty convenient one, right? I mean, you can, you can upload the information, upload some photos and, and postlets will just push it out, you know, pretty much back page, mm -hmm. Zillow, truly every, everywhere, mm -hmm. right? Yep. Yep. For the most part. Is that is that um, your primary marketing tool other than your website? Um, yeah, I mean, I'd say, you know, Postlets, Craigslist, uh, my website. I know Backpage is another, it's kind of like Craigslist little brother. There's, there's not nearly as much traffic, but yeah, it's, yeah. it's still worth doing. Um, yeah. So, yeah, those are the main ones. Nice, nice. No, that's mm -hmm. great. Now, are you... 
are you working a full-time job or you do this on the side? What, tell us a little bit about your, you know, where do you come from and how'd you, sure. I mean, you, you talked about how you, you, you found this, this, uh, course and it kind of got you into the game, but mm-hmm. you know, what, what drove you here? Sure. Um, well, I, my job is, uh, I actually work for a small business financing company. Um, and we do SBA loans is kind of our main bread and butter. Uh, so essentially what my day job is, is being a commercial real estate banker. Um, and there's, it's really, I didn't actually plan it this way. I kind of, ever since college, wanted to do something with real estate, but, um, really the way my, my job has worked out is there's a lot of overlap with what I do and just a lot of, a lot of skills and just general knowledge that applies to both worlds. Um, so it's actually been really, really helpful. Got it. Yeah. Let's go back to something, you know, a lot of people, you know, a lot of our listeners, the land, the land thing is brand new to them. They've never heard of that before. Uh, and they don't invest in land right now. So let's go to something that applies to every single person probably. And that's marketing because sure. you do a lot of uh, advice in the forums <clears throat> about marketing. So, uh, I guess, why don't we just start with direct mail a little bit? You said you do that. Mm-hmm. Um, do you want to just yeah. explain kind of what you do for direct mail right now and uh, what's working for you? Sure. <clears throat> well, really, um, with direct mail, there, there's a number of places that you can pull your lists from when you're when you're mailing to these people. Um, the two sources that I've used the most, first one is actually calling a county and getting that list directly from them. And the nice thing about that is that the information is as current as it's ever going to get. Um, and as far as delinquent tax information, that's you really need that to be current. Like if it's more than a couple of weeks old, you're probably going to get in trouble because you're going to send mail to people who don't have delinquent taxes and, you know, you just don't want to do that. So getting a director from the county is great, um, but it's and kind you, of expensive. You're calling the assessor's office, yeah? Is that? Um, usually it is the uh, treasurer or tax collector or treasurer, depending on what state you're in. Okay, yeah. so you'll call and literally say, hey, I'm I'm interested in getting a list of the delinquent folks mm-hmm. in your county and you don't get uh you know cuz because I think what a lot of people are afraid of is they start getting 100 questions why, why do you want that what are you going to do with it mm-hmm. um, presumably there's no questions asked really right well it's uh <laughs> it's that's a good question it's it's kind of usually when you call these people um you know the, the treasurers or the tax collectors I don't think I've ever had it where I've called them and the first person I talked to knew what I was talking about. Usually they got to pass me off to somebody else and then somebody else. And <laughs> I mean, it's, it's almost like they don't even understand their own system. And nice. so I, I really have to explain exactly what I want. I don't want the properties that are going to tax sale. That's not what I'm looking for. I'm looking for the people who currently are delinquent on their taxes, but they still own the property, that yeah. kind of thing. Um, and I mean, regardless of what they tell you, Everybody has this list because they have to monitor the taxes in some way, shape or form. So they all have the information. It's just a matter of how easily they're going to give it to you and what they're going to charge you to do it. Um, And usually I think like the cheapest I've ever seen a list was like a penny per parcel. And the most expensive I've ever seen was like a buck 50 per parcel. So, I mean, you I mean, I, I never if a list costs more than like 500 bucks, I don't I'm just like, forget it. I'm going to some other county. Um, but usually, you know, the few hundred dollar range is kind of the sweet spot. Got it. Got it. Got it. No, that's great. Um, so, so you, the, the first way is, is directly through, through calling the County and, mm-hmm. and the second is through yep. one of yeah. these list companies, right? Like list source. Is that what you were? The, the one that I use is called agent pro 24 okay. seven. Um, and it's, uh, 
I was actually just doing some research on that earlier this morning, trying to figure out what the differences are between that and a list source, because I know that's a hugely popular one. Yeah. Um, and really, as far as what I can see, I, I'm pretty sure they both pull their data from the same places, um, and it's about as recent. List source appears to be a little bit more user friendly, um, and you can buy stuff on a per lead basis if you want to. Um, Agent Pro is significantly uh, less expensive. Um, it's set up more as like a subscription type service. Gotcha. I, I, I pay 18 bucks a month for it. Um, and it's, uh, um, you know, they, they basically, I think with that, you can get like 2000 leads a month, which is more than enough for what I need. Yeah. Um, yeah. and, and not only can you pull lists, but it's also great for property research. So if you just give me any parcel anywhere in the country, I can go and find out pretty much everything I'm going to need to know about that in order to make a educated buying decision. So it's a it's kind of a a one two punch where it's not only for pulling lists but also for property research. Yeah. Now, now now you said Agent Pro is significantly less expensive. What how does uh how does ListSource fare in terms of uh, pricing on their data or at yeah. least in in your research? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I was just uh, talking with somebody at ListSource this morning and they were telling me that uh, their monthly subscription I think is three hundred bucks a month. Um, and that allows you to pull up to 5,000 leads, um, or if you wanted to buy them on a per lead basis, uh, I believe it is eight cents per lead. So even if I wanted a list of like a thousand people, that's 80 bucks right there. Yeah. Um, so we're talking pretty significant price difference and you've got the ability to do all the research and all of that. So, yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Well, we'll, we'll put links to, uh, to both in the, uh, in the show notes, sure. uh, so anybody can check them out, and and it's uh, biggerpockets.com/slash/show39. All right, so let let's get into a little more specifics into the uh, the direct mail stuff. So you you've got this list, right? You've gone out, you you've acquired a list of a thousand, couple hundred, whatever you've got. Mm -hmm. um, what do you do then? Uh, presumably, you're going to send mail to them. Are you doing it by hand? Are you paying a service? Uh, what kind of messaging? What kind of actual mail are you sending? Yellow letters or postcards? Or, or mm -hmm. fill, fill us in on, on the details. Sure. <clears throat> yeah, I've actually uh, just been in the Bigger Pockets forum and just hearing different ideas and philosophies on how people handle direct mail. I was kind of surprised to see people do it differently than I do. Um, what, what I do. Um, I don't do repetition. I hit everybody once and that's it. If they don't call me back, I'm done with them. Um, and the reason for that is... You're dead to me. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> You're not exactly. listening to Sharon Vornholt's advice now, are you? <laughs> no, I, I, I've actually... I think everybody I've really heard has said the repetition is what yeah. you're supposed to do. And, and you know, I mean, that's... May, maybe that makes sense for what they're doing. But when it comes to the delinquent taxes... It's a problem that's not going to be around forever. Either they're going to pay their taxes off or they're going to lose their property. Yeah. And, you know, repetition just doesn't make sense. Hey, so really quick, what's what's the time frame, right? So I get a notice that, uh, you know, I haven't paid my taxes. Mm -hmm. How long can a parcel have delinquent taxes? How quickly do, yeah. they, do they deal with it? That depends what state you're in. Uh, I know in Michigan, it's two years. Uh, and I think... I want to say, don't quote me on this. I think in California, it's like five years or something like that. So it just, you kind of have to know your state's laws and where you're working. Um, also in Michigan, I want to say the date at which properties are seized after two years is on like March 31st every year. Mm -hmm. So it also helps to know that because if you send something out on say January 1, people are going to have a little bit more desperation if they understand the situation. Or you can at least say, look, man, 
you've got four weeks to pay this off or you're done. So yeah. what's it going to be? That kind of thing. Yeah, that seems um, like a great strategy. Yeah, absolutely. So, so but, but with two and five years, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, that, you know, let me call you out here, man. Yeah, that gives you some time <laughs> to send more than one mailer, right? I mean, come on now. It does. All right. Um, All right. And, and really, I mean, I know when I'm the sweet spot for me that I've found, usually sending them out when people have two years of delinquent taxes and they're about to get permanently foreclosed on has been the time that works best for me. And um, it, it, at times, if you wait too long, it can kind of kill a deal because, um, I mean, it, it depends on the county and the certain situation that's going on. But I mean, usually these taxes, once they become delinquent, they start multiplying because the county starts adding all these fees to the mix uh, because you're late. And um, I mean, I've seen some ridiculous tax bills where it's like, dude, this makes it not worth it by a long stretch because paying off your taxes is going to totally eat up all of my potential profit in this deal. So um, if you wait too long, like say in California, if you waited four years or something, you could have no hope. So it's kind of a matter of just keeping that piece of it in mind as well. And do you find out how how delinquent a property actually is? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> Usually when I'm uh, sending out the offer, both before I send it, I'll actually call the county and talk to the treasurer and say, hey, here's the parcel number. Can you tell me if I wanted to pay these taxes off this month, what would the balance be? And they tell me the number and I, I just sort of insert that into my offer so they're aware not only are you getting this cash, but your taxes of this amount are also being paid off. That kind of thing. And do they so, care who do they care who pays it off? I mean, or, or um, oh, I see what you're saying. Do they yeah. care if I pay it off? Yeah. No. Nope. They don't care at all. It's just if somebody gives them the money, they're good. Got it. Cool. Got it. So, mm-hmm. so are you sending postcards then, or yellow letters, or <clears throat> yeah? Um, I am sending yellow postcards that are size 4.25 by 6 and it, usually they're double-sided um, but I've found a, about an equal success rate with with both single-sided and double-sided okay. um, and the reason I do postcards is because um, a couple of reasons first of all they're a lot cheaper and when you're talking about sending out thousands of, of pieces of mail I mean it's about maybe a little little bit less than half the price of doing a full letter um, so that's it's a pretty big deal um, and then also uh, with a postcard, I mean, again, a lot of it has to do with the message you're putting on that and how persuasive you're being and what kind of attention you're able to grab from people. Um, I've done a lot of experimenting with that over the years. It's kind of fun. But um, with a postcard, a person literally has to look at your message before they throw it away. With a letter, I don't know what you guys, but I mean, I get stuff and I just know it's junk mail and I don't yep. even look at it. I just chuck it. So, yep. um that I mean, that's those are the two main reasons why I do postcards. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. Have are do you uh, do you do any kind of like split testing or or yeah, t- tweaking your message? Uh, I'm assuming <clears throat> you do some of that. Yeah, I I mean, in the past, I have tried letters, um, and I've tried you know uh, a lot of the things like you know printing them off on my own computer and using the handwriting font and all that stuff. Um, and I mean, I, I don't know that I have done enough to really know definitively, but I, I honestly didn't see really any difference in my response rate. It was more about the situation that these recipients were in and the solution that I was proposing to them versus, you know, the type of card stack I was using or something like that. So gotcha. and what, and what kind of conversion rates are those? That was my question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it varies. I, I know, I mean, for most generic direct mail marketers out there who are selling who knows what 
um, response rates are just pretty terrible in general. I mean, it's obviously worth enough for them to do it, but it's not great. Usually my response rate, the lowest I think I've ever seen it is like four or five percent. Um, the highest I've seen it is probably like 18 percent. Um, so it uh, again, it's and it's it's really it's tough for me to tell you specifically why that happens. Sometimes it's just luck. Sometimes it's what you're saying on your postcard. Sometimes it's the information you're working with. It could be timing. It's just who knows. But and are you yeah. printing those? You said you experimented with different things, but are you ordering the postcards mm-hmm. from a company out there, or are you making them on your printer yeah. now? Um, pretty much for almost all of my mailings, I've done it through click to mail. Okay. Um, I, I tried doing some stuff at home just to try some experimentation stuff, but for all intents and purposes, click to mail is like my go-to spot. Gotcha. And, and if anybody mm-hmm. wants to, uh, we're going to have a link to that in the show notes, but they, we do have an affiliate relationship with them. So if you do order through click to mail and you go through our link, uh, you help out the bigger pockets podcast. So do it. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, there you go. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, cool. So, so we've got your conversion rates. We know that you're sending these letters, you're, you're getting hit back by these, these folks, you know, a lot of a lot of our investors who do direct marketing to folks in distress situations find themselves on the other end of a phone call of somebody who's pretty pissed off. <laughs> you know, yeah. whether it's you know you're going to lose your house to foreclosure, divorce, whatever, whatever it is. Um, is 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 that something that that you deal with? Do you deal with you know the the real angry folks, uh, and, <laughs> or or is that not really an issue? People are like, yeah, I've given up hope. Help mm-hmm. me out here. Yeah, no, that's, uh, I have learned that that's, <clears throat> it's one of the fun parts of the business that I get to, to laugh at because I, I, the first time, like an angry voicemail back from somebody, I was like, oh man, my feelings are hurt. You know, like my kind of hurts my heart that they're so mad at me, <laughs> but, uh, but I, I mean, it's not often I'll say that, but when it does happen, um, I've gotten some really funny letters back from people. Some, you know, one time a guy tore up my offer sheet and put it in an envelope and mailed it back to me. And <laughs> <laughs> I, I've, I've had people send me letters just saying your offer was hilarious. I'm saving it to show people I know, you know, <laughs> and, and uh, you know, I, I've, whenever I get those voicemails where somebody's cussing me out, I actually have a folder on my computer where I save them all. So when I want a good <laughs> laugh, I can go back and listen to it. Right, why don't, why don't we play some of those for our listeners? <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll uh, we can upload the file and have a link to it. <laughs> but put it next to your animated GIF collection. <laughs> there you go. Nice. But nice. yeah, I mean, really, um, I mean, to me in a really strange way, it's telling me that I'm doing something right because I want every offer I send out to just be laughable. I mean, something where I'm embarrassed at how low it is because that's how I know, or one of the ways that I know that if this person says yes, there's going to be a celebration in my house. (laughs) It's going to be a good day. I don't want to be sending some, you know, offer I'm not really sure about where if somebody accepts it, I'm like, oh shoot, I don't know if that was really the best thing for me to do, you know? Um, So I, I mean, when I get those kind of responses, I'm like, it's okay. No problem. So what do you, what do you do? I mean, you know, I, let's, let's get into some of the philosophy here a little bit on, on this because, you know, that, that is something that a lot of investors do. And, you know, I'd say most investors that are, that are, you know, that do particularly, particularly well tend to have that as a philosophy. I'm going to send embarrassing offers out. And, Mm -hmm. and, you know, one of the challenges is, you know, as, as a group, that is one of those things that I think does give us all a bad name, right? You know, Hey, these guys are trying to lowball me and, and 
I, 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 you know, I, I like to wonder and, and think if, if there were better offers, they would take them. Right. Mm-hmm. So, so ultimately given the situation, given the timing and giving the price, you're bailing them out, right? You're helping them, you know, granted you're not giving them, you know, you're not making them rich, getting them out of there, but you're getting them out with something instead of nothing. But what's, what's your take on it? Because, you know, sure you're giving an embarrassing, laughable offer, but in the mm-hmm. end, you're still kind of saving their backsides, aren't you? Yeah, no, that's um, that's a good ethical question, I guess. Um, and I think it kind of comes down to what you said where, um, yeah, I mean, it, it's a free market society. And if somebody wants to work hard to find a buyer like I do for all my properties, then you know what? You might be able to sell it for market value or just below it. Um, so everybody has the ability to do that. It's, it's funny because um, – for example, I, on, on one of my websites where people submit offers to me, I laugh every time because they, they send me these things and they indicate, you know, I'm just, I'm desperate. I need this thing sold yesterday. Please buy my property. And one of the questions on there is, is this property currently listed with a realtor? And the answer is always no. It's like, dude, <laughs> like just try a little bit. I mean, yeah. you might be surprised. Yeah. So it's, I mean, essentially... I don't know if it's laziness or just apathy or what, but, um, and again, I don't want to group everybody into any particular category, but I mean, for whatever reason, I mean, they don't care enough to accept my offer. And you know, that's really what I'm looking for is people who are in that boat and willing to play that game. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, so speaking about the, 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 the website, you know, (laughs) you're, you, you blog on bigger pockets. You've, you've got uh, your own blog, your, you're active on social media. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's 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 talk about internet marketing uh, for for leads. What you know? What are you doing uh, to to use the internet uh, beyond just obviously hanging out on BP and finding people? I'm assuming you probably aren't doing deals with BP guys, but you know maybe just using the site for strategies. But um, you know. How's how's the blogging working to 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 build the biz? Uh, what are, what are your lead sites kind of look like? It sounds like you've got a couple of them, and so what's your take on that? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah, well, my my purpose with blogging is actually doesn't have a lot to do with the land acquisition business. Um, it's really more, you know, I I have learned a lot of lessons. Uh, sometimes the hard way. Sometimes you just sort of learn things from doing them, um, and it's just it's good stuff that's helped me out a lot. And it's like you know why not just put it out there? And if, if it helps somebody else, great. Um, and that's, I've really, I've enjoyed it a lot because, um, one of my favorite things is just seeing the interaction that comes from people when I've put something out there that really just like, man, that totally answered my question. Um, so it's, I kind of do it for, you know, I guess partial enjoyment, partially just to set up a different stream of income, which is just, just kind of a side thing that I do. Um, as far as the actual lead generation website, um, it's really a standalone, very, very simple website. I think it consists of like four different pages, um, w- one of which is just a form where people can fill out all the information about their property. Um, and yeah, it's I, I'd say on average, I probably get, I don't know, a submission every day or every other day on that. And when you consider the fact that what I would have to pay with direct mail to get those and the fact that they're just coming in for free, it's like – that's worth something. I mean, I'll, I'll definitely look at those and um, send out offers whenever I can. How are you driving traffic to that site? Is that all organic search engine optimization mm-hmm. or are you actually pointing links there and or doing Craigslist mm-hmm. stuff? What do, you, what do you do? 
Yeah, I tried the I tried the Craigslist thing for a little bit. It didn't didn't really work that well. Uh, really, the the primary way that I've gotten traffic there is just SEO. Uh, I uh, found somebody on Elance and paid him. I think it was like 600 bucks uh, to really just go to work for a few months for me and just uh, do some of their work. And it works. Uh, it's, um, you know, depending on what you're searching for, I'll show up number two or three or sometimes even number one on Google. And um, it just it targets those particular people pretty well. Um, Come so, on. Tell us what you're targeting. Come on. Come on. No. <laughs> I don't want to do that, Josh. <laughs> I don't want to create competition for myself. Yeah. Well, you, you're like, come on, man. You got no competition to start with. You know, a little up your game, baby. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so these people, gotta, are, they're actually searching Google for like sell my vacant land or something like that. He's not going to tell you, Brandon. I don't know, I'm hinting. I'm hinting. <laughs> Although nobody really knows anymore, at least through Google, because Google doesn't really share what people are searching for anymore. Yeah, that makes things oh, tougher. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's, I mean, really, whatever your business is, I yeah. mean, it's you know, you guys have probably heard it's just buy houses, you know, Denver or wherever you live, and that that kind of thing. Um, or I'm sorry, sell, you know, sell houses fast, Denver, or that kind of thing. So anybody can do it. It's just a matter of having the patience and and being willing to invest that kind of money for the SEO work. So, are you doing any uh, pay per click advertising, Google or Facebook? Nope. <clears throat> no, I'm not. Okay. Would you at all? I mean, have you considered that? You know, I'm, I'm not against it. Um, it's a realm that I know a little bit about, but I, I don't consider myself to be an expert there. So I'm, I'm a little hesitant to jump into that in a big way, but maybe at some point I'll go down that road. Yeah. We've had a couple of guests on the show um, who have said that that's one of their main drivers of traffic now. So I, hmm. I don't do a lot of it. I've done a very, very little uh, back about a mm-hmm. year ago, but uh, it's definitely an avenue I want to look more into. So sure, yes, nice. Cool. Sorry, right, so we got blogging, we've got the SEO. You're not doing pay per click. Your site is driving traffic. Do you have multiple? You see, you've got your blog, and then you've got your your whatever that vacant land lead mm-hmm. magnet site. Is it sure. is it we buy vacant land in Michigan? Is that is that what you're targeting? No, I'm not <laughs> sure where you got that name. Oh, oh, okay, okay. Um, so, do you, do you do you have other? I mean, are there multiple sites for multiple keywords? <clears throat> yeah, it's uh, I've got I want to say four different websites. Uh, one of them is my selling website, um, and then the other one is my buying one, or the one where I accept submissions from people. And these two do not reference each other at all. Gotcha. And the reason for that is I don't want people submitting their property and I buy it for a hundred bucks. And then they see that I'm listing it for $5 million the next week and selling it. So yeah. Um, so yeah and, and then I've got a squeeze page and then the blog. What's a squeeze page? A squeeze page, uh, in most cases, is just a one-page website. And the only purpose of it is to collect somebody's information so that you can solicit them in the future. Yeah. Um, and the purpose for mine is to create a buyer's list. So. Got it. Got it. You know, I, I, I'm always the skeptic, you know, if, if I ever end up on a page and it's like a squeeze page, collect my information to do something, mm-hmm. I'm gone. In yeah, no, I, I am too. Six <laughs> seconds. Yeah. But, but it works. I mean, people, mm-hmm. some people will do it and, and it's an effective technique. So yeah, there, there's really, there's an art to it. I mean, I think most people are not good at doing what you need to do to, to get the leads, but you know, there are definitely ways to catch people's attention and kind of keep them on the line and that kind of thing. So Whenever I used to travel, I would get that creeping feeling that I locked my back door. 
How do I know my property is going to be safe while I'm away? But not anymore, thanks to Simply Safe Home Security. I'm about to go on a three-week trip to Copenhagen, but am I tripping about my trip? Nope. With award-winning security and peace of mind from Simply Safe, I don't need to worry. Simply Safe is a super amazing alarm system that I actually installed in my house myself personally in less than 30 minutes, and there's so much peace of mind knowing that there's something in place to protect my homes, my goods, and my John Mayer shrine. Simply Safe systems have high-tech sensors that detect break-ins, fires, and floods, indoor and outdoor cameras to keep watch night and day, 24/7 professional monitoring at less than $1 a day, plus Simply Safe professional monitoring agents can even help stop crime in real time by speaking to intruders through the wireless indoor camera. Hey, hey, bud, get out of here. It's like that, but it's a lot better, I imagine. And if you buy the system and you don't love it, you can get a full refund with Simply Safe's 60-day money-back guarantee. Simply Safe has given me and many of our listeners real peace of mind, and I want you to have it too. Right now, get 20% off of any new Simply Safe system with fast protect monitoring at simplysafe.com/pockets. There's no safe like Simply Safe. You're trying to close on your next rental, so why is your insurance company dragging its feet? With long lead times and never-ending paper forms, it's no wonder it takes forever to finally get a policy. Modern investors deserve better. They deserve Steadily.com. At Steadily.com, you'll get fast, affordable landlord insurance available online 24-7 in just a few clicks. You can even get next-day coverage, which takes just minutes, by the way, to obtain. And you can do it all from your phone. Steadily was founded by landlords who created insurance products tailored to the unique needs of this industry. It's their sole focus, and that's why landlords nationwide consistently rate them 4.8 out of 5 stars. So whether you've got a single family, short-term, or multifamily portfolio, Steadily.com can secure the best coverage at the best price to protect your properties. Discover how Steadily can save you both time and money on your rental property insurance. Visit Steadily.com for a commitment-free quote tailored to your needs today. Finding rental property insurance has been a headache for the past few years. You know the feeling. You're scrambling, calling 20 different insurance agencies in a dozen different cities, struggling to protect your portfolio at the right cost. But I'm going to tell you a little secret that'll change everything. Veteran investors don't go through the everyday insurance companies. They just use NREG. NREG, that's N-R-E-I-G, provides insurance solely for real estate investors. They've built the largest insurance program in the country for residential tenant-occupied, vacant, and renovation properties. The best part? You can put all your properties on one insurance schedule and one monthly bill. And you can add, change, or remove properties without having to cancel one policy and purchase another. They insure properties from single-family rentals, up to 20-unit multifamily dwellings, vacation rentals, mobile homes, condos, and more. Trade catchy jingles for cash flow with insurance made for investors. Visit nreg.com slash bppod to request a proposal. N-R-E-I-G dot com slash B-P-P-O-D. So... Tell us, you know, kind of overall, what, you know, what, what's the good, the bad, and the ugly about what, what you do, right? You know, what, what are the highs, the lows, the positives, the negatives? Just, you know, kind of <clears throat> throw them out yeah. there. Yeah, well, I'd say, um, I guess probably the good uh, with, with land in particular is that it's, it's low maintenance. There's very little you have to worry about. Um, I mean, you can, you can buy a piece of land and then forget about it for five years and nothing will be any different. I mean, it's just dirt, you know. Um, so from that standpoint, I mean, if you're looking for something that's just low stress, stress, excuse me, um, something that is inexpensive to get into, um, it's not going to require mortgage payments, that kind of thing. That's why I think land is just awesome. I mean, it's, it's a great way to, to get into real estate. Um, the bad, I guess would be, 
Um, land requires quite a bit of due diligence before you purchase it. Um, a lot of times, um, if a property is vacant, there's usually a reason behind that. Um, either, you know, you literally can't build anything on it because the zoning is messed up or it doesn't perk or, you know, there's a slew of different issues that can prohibit somebody from building on it. What's perk really quick? Sorry. Oh, sure. Uh, stands for percolation. Uh, and that's basically, uh, when, when you when you drop water on the soil, how fast it drains away. And the reason that's important is because land has to perk if you want to put in a septic tank, um, which a lot of times out in the sticks, that's the only way to handle sewers of any kind. Yeah. Um, so if, if it doesn't perk, then you really can't build a house there because you can't put a septic tank there. So, Got it. Got it. Um, but that's just an example. And um, <clears throat> it is very easy uh, – to buy land, especially when it's this cheap without really thinking things through, uh, and really doing your research. And, you know, I've made that mistake on a couple of occasions. I've never gotten burned really badly by it, but I mean, it's definitely possible to, you know, walk half heartedly into a decision and end up with a property. You can't really sell very easily because it's not that useful to people. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've, you know, it's funny that land investing is one of those things that I, I kind of dream about and, and I have for a long time. I, I know when I used to live in LA, I would do the LA Vegas uh, drive oh, yeah. uh, all the time. And, and you'll always see plots in the middle of the desert that are for sale. And I'm like, man, you know, you know, at some point that that corridor is going to fill in, you know, mm-hmm. and you're like, well, this is, this is a place, you know, I may have to hold it for a long time, but you know, this mm-hmm. is a good opportunity. If, if the corridor fills in. Denver Boulder is the same thing. You know, I've been here for seven years and and now it's really, really filling in. And I kind of kick myself. I'm like, you know, maybe I should have stepped out and, and looked at some of those plots that were available because, you know, th- you know, it's worth much, much more money today than it was, you know, mm-hmm. when I first looked at it and everything's kind of developing around it. So, you know, yeah. I think on the vacant land side, you know, that's it's kind of a I guess it is still kind of a gamble, right? You're speculating for sure. Yeah. I mean, there are definitely ways, you know, it's referred to as land banking where you basically buy land with the assumption that over time it's going to go up in value. And there are ways to kind of figure out which direction growth is going in. Um, But I mean, I think you're right. I mean, nobody knows the future and, you know, nobody knew that 2008 and 2009 were going to happen where everything just stopped. Um, So, I mean, there's always those, mysterious things that can happen. But I know like, just for example, I think it's, uh, John Jacob Astor, who's like the fourth. Yeah. He's like the fourth richest person in American history. And the way that he did it was he bought up all the land that we now know of as Manhattan. Um, and he just bought that when nobody else saw the opportunity and he made a ton of money, (laughs) tens of billions of dollars in today's currency. So. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. So, so in terms of, you know, eliminating the speculation, you do that in, a, in the same way that, that you would with a buy and hold. You buy at a significant discount and you sell mm-hmm. it and you're not sitting there and holding based upon the appreciation. But, but I suppose if you can, if you can get one of those properties uh, at a discount for, to land bank it, I mm-hmm. mean, that's kind of the best of all worlds, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And <clears throat> I think with land banking, I mean, the thing to keep in mind is what your costs are going to be over however many years you're going to want to hold that. Right. The, the nice thing is with land, there's generally not much cost, but there are property taxes. And a lot of times property taxes on land is, is very, very low. Um, but th- there can be, you know, oddball situations where the 
the local township is charging some weird assessment each month and it really brings the cost up. So it's just a matter of understanding what are my property taxes going to be over the next 10 or 20 or 30 years. And, you know, if it makes sense and if the math works, then go for it. Cool. All right. Well, uh, I'm wondering what what's an example of a good deal that somebody could do with like what what's a success story that you've had? I guess what's your best deal or best story? <clears throat> sure. Well, the best deal that I have to date, um, it was uh, a couple of years ago. I sent out a, a direct mail campaign in northern Michigan, um, and <laughs> I was able to buy a 12 acre parcel of land right on Lake Huron, <clears throat> about. I don't know, five or six miles away from the Mackinac Bridge. Really, really nice area. Um, and when, when I got this call from this lady, she was just explaining it to me. And I'm like, wow, this is a sweet property. And, and I, my assumption is that the market value at that time was probably around like, you know, 300, 400, 500,000, like a lot of money for this thing. Um, <clears throat> and uh, at that point, I didn't have a lot of cash available to me. And I was like, you know, whatever, what, what, what can happen? I'll just send her an offer. And I sent her an offer for about $4,500 and, um, she accepted it. And, <laughs> and, uh, so, so I, I bought this thing and, um, 12 I acres yep. on the lake. So, yep, exactly. <laughs> and the, the, there was a little bit of an issue with it because like a lot of this land, um, was not buildable because it was right on the lake and yeah. the, the army Corps of engineers has to approve it in order for you to be able to build there. Okay. Um, and there was just kind of a small section on it where you it did perk and you could put a house. So it was buildable, but not in the most optimal place on the property. But anyway, I got this thing and uh, listed it for 45000 and sold it within a couple of months. And just like that, I made more money from that than I did from the entire year from my day job at the time. So, that's awesome. <laughs> so yeah, it, uh, it, it was a great deal. Yeah, that's great. Congrats. That's awesome. Uh, well, so, so what, what about the worst, you know, the worst mistake that you made, you know, what was, what was the biggest flub that, that you did and, and, uh, what would you do differently to avoid such a thing? Yeah. I mean, when I first was trying to do this, I was just excited to get going. I, I bought any, anything that anybody would accept. I mean, it was just like, Hey, I'm going to just spew offers out to people. And if they accept it, boom, we're doing it. Um, and I just kind of figured because I'm getting it so cheap, I can't go wrong um, but, uh, I ended up buying a really odd property. It was this little triangle and it, it was probably like, I don't know, 30 feet long. I mean, you, you literally couldn't do anything with it. It was a pointless piece of land. Um, and I bought the thing and I just wasn't really thinking about it and wasn't thinking things through and I was stuck with it. Um, and basically what I ended up doing, I only paid 300 bucks for it, but, um, I ended up just literally uh, giving it to the person who lived right next door to it. So they just added onto their property for free. So, (laughs) but it, but it was just an example of my lack of foresight and willing to do research and all this stuff, I guess, foolishness for lack of a better word. Um, it cost me. So fantastic. Fantastic. Um, really quickly before we move to the, to the next section here, what, what, what are some of the biggest misconceptions out there about what you, what you do? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, the biggest misconceptions would be people just hear the word land and they just, they think it's boring. They think it doesn't cash flow. They just don't understand. They think it's for hunters and farmers, but not people who actually want to make money. Um, and that's just, it's not true. I found that to be just a huge oversight. Um, there's tons of opportunities, especially for people who don't have gobs of money at their disposal. 
um, to get into these properties for really cheap. And the risk is, I don't want to say it's zero because it's not, but I mean, it's about as close to zero as you can get when it comes to property ownership. Um, so, and you know, the whole seller financing piece of it and there's just for a lot of reasons, it makes a lot of sense. And a lot of people don't get that. And, you know, I'm not going to really complain because they're just not my competition as a result. But yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and, and so, uh, you know, we, we, we didn't really dig in on the seller financing side, but, but I'll just ask that uh, one, one quick time. The, are you, are you always uh, holding the note on, on the seller finance? Are you always seller financing or are you, I mean, it sounds like you're also just flipping some of the, the properties mm-hmm. as well. Yeah. Yeah. It, it really depends on, you know, what my cash situation is at that point in time. Um, okay. If I don't, if I don't need the cash, then absolutely. I'll seller finance it because I can make a lot more money in the long run and have passive income and all this. So, yeah. Yeah. Cool. Well, before we go to the final sections here, do you do any other kind of investing? Are you a landlord at all? Yeah, I actually, uh, I bought a duplex a couple of years ago. Um, and, uh, that's kind of the direction that I intend to go, uh, is using some of the cash that the land throws off to buy, you know, more multifamily rental properties. Um, and yeah, that's, it's been good. I mean, I'd say the first, the first year or so after I bought it, it didn't really generate much cause it was, you know, it's a hundred year old property and just a lot of sins of the prior owner that I had to pay for. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's pretty much up to speed now and it's throwing off money every month. So, um, but yeah, it's, it's been going good. So I plan to keep doing it. Was it, was that a, a tax uh, distress property as well? No, no, it actually, um, just one of the realtors I knew, he just, he knew that I was in the market for that and he brought it to me before it, it went for sale. And, um, you know, things were still pretty slow at that point. So I was able to get a pretty good deal on it. So. Oh, fantastic. Cool. Do you, yeah. man- do you manage yourself then? Nope. Um, I went into it with the intention of being completely hands off. So I have property managers doing everything. You know, that, that's one. Of, I wrote in an article today about that, how even if you plan on managing yourself, always plan on not managing yourself. Otherwise, mm-hmm. you get to the point where you get too many properties or your life gets too busy or you get sick mm-hmm. or whatever. And all of a sudden, yeah. then your cash flow positive property is now a cash flow negative because you didn't plan for that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. And I, I mean, we've all, we all know the horror stories of you know <laughs> managing a rental property. And I mean, I, I'm, I was definitely not blind to that. And I just knew, I mean, if, if I, if I had to manage that thing myself, it would be a huge obstacle to me doing a lot of other things that I intend to do with my life. So, um, and I, I know it's, you know, there are times when it's, you know, not that difficult and not, doesn't require much and other times where it takes a lot, but I just wanted to take that out of my mind and give it to somebody else who knew what they were doing. That's awesome. Smart. That's awesome. Cool. Well, listen, moving forward. What do you think, Brandon? I think it's, uh, I think it's time. What do you, I I I also think think? it's time for our, it's time. It's time for the fire round. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. All right. I love Fiverr. Yeah, awesome. we made we made that on Fiverr. <laughs> anyway, um, uh, let's let's jump into the fire round. These are all questions that come from the forums. Uh, you have no idea what's coming, so we're just gonna fire them at you and uh, sure. see what you have to say. All right, <clears throat> number one, driving around. You're just driving around. You see a vacant lot. Do you pursue it or do you just stick to your direct mail? Um, if I just like see a random vacant lot, um, no, I probably wouldn't do anything about it. Okay, there you go. All right. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's is that what you wanted, Brent? Is that the answer you were looking? Yeah, I'm curious. Yeah, I mean, really, I mean, what what I'm after is properties that have a lot of equity. As far as like the beauty of the property, or you know, all of that stuff. I mean, there's really there's not a lot of emotion involved with what I do. It's just, do the numbers make sense? Is the value there? And you know, I spend my efforts pursuing that specific kind of thing. So he wants property that has green in it, Brandon. There you go. Exactly. (laughs) Get it. (laughs) All right. How much do you? How much did somebody start with budget-wise for direct mail? What would you say? <clears throat> well, I know when I started this, um, I had about three thousand bucks to my name. Um, so, I mean, that was enough to get me through it. Um, I think you could probably do it with less, but um, I mean, my typical direct mail campaign is usually a few hundred bucks at least. Um, and, and of course that's with no guarantee of anything. So just go into it realizing that that's a possibility, uh, not a very likely possibility, but it could happen. Um, and yeah, so I'd say if you've got enough to do that and then, you know, a thousand, 2000 to buy some of those really entry level, low end properties, that'd probably be enough to get you started. Yeah. You know, that's always my fear with direct mail is, is let's say you got $10,000 to work with and you send out a thousand dollars a month in, in direct mail. Yeah, you'll mm-hmm. probably get a deal in those first 10 months, but what if you don't? Then you're out of yeah. money. I mean, that's the fear mm-hmm. that people, you have to get over or mm-hmm. you have to get more money. <laughs> and it may happen. I and mean, it may there, happen. There is a chance mm-hmm. that that'll happen. Yeah. I yeah. No, be- I, go ahead. I'm sorry, go ahead. Well, I, I was just going to say that's, um, I felt that same way. And I think probably the reason that I was able to, you know, get okay with it is because the, the, the course that I learned it from I mean, this guy had been doing it for a lot of years and I mean, it was very specific about exactly who you need to target and all of that. Um, and I just, I mean, having that much clear direction, it was like, okay, well, there's something to this. I mean, it's not just me wildly throwing money at stuff and hoping things going to happen. So, yeah. And that's the benefit of learning from people who have done it before and not mm-hmm. just, uh, you know, trying to figure everything out on your own. Again, that's the why bigger pockets is so cool. So, sure. Uh, all right, let's move on to the next question, which is if <laughs> this is actually my question from the forums. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so if you call someone, uh, no, somebody calls you from a letter you send out, and then you offer to them, they reject your offer. Do you follow up with them then? I mean, like, let's say you're close. I mean, like, you just can't quite come to terms. Yeah. Do you keep following up? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it kind of depends on the property and how how much of a chance I think there is of working with this person. Um, but yeah, oftentimes I have followed up. I've got a little one-page letter that I send to people, which basically just keeps the lines of communication open. It's telling them, look, I mean, clearly something about our offer wasn't acceptable to you, and that's totally fine. doesn't hurt my feelings, but I'm giving you a few options here. You can just tell me I mean, I guess why exactly you didn't accept it. And what I do is I'll have a little line where they can say, I will accept blank for my offer and that's my, or for my property and that's my rock bottom price. And another, another box says, I don't want to sell anymore. Stop, stop sending mail to me. Just that kind of thing. Um, It basically just, it gives some sort of opportunity for us to keep in contact. And I'd say maybe 10, 20% of the time that, you know, results in a deal getting done as opposed to just being done and not, not talking to him anymore. So right. yeah, not it's bad. worth doing. Yeah, 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 for sure. All right. Vacant land that once had a gas station on it. Do you, uh, do you pursue? Um, well, I guess it, I mean, short answer is no, I would not. Um, but that, that kind of depends on, you know, I guess what your intent is with the property. Um, I know environmental laws are kind of a big deal to follow. Um, 
because if you end up buying a property that's contaminated and then you can't prove that it's not your fault that it's contaminated, you could have a huge liability on your hands. Um, so for that reason, I mean, it's just not how my business model works. So I, I wouldn't, but that's not to say it's not worth doing depending on what your goal is. So, so what you're trying to say is like, you know, you find a plot of land that has like toxic waste on it. You're not going to buy it. I mean, is that, is that what you're saying? Personally, I would not. If you want to, you know, I mean, (laughs) that's your thing. (laughs) Nice. Nice. That's awesome. Cool. All right. So so why don't we, uh, why don't we run into our famous four here and wrap it up? Um, First, uh, first question of the famous four. Famous. Famous four. Four. (laughs) That was, that wasn't very melodic. No, we'll get a fiver gig for that one too. Yeah, we will. <laughs> All right, famous for our first question: What is your favorite real estate book? <clears throat> Not Rich Dad Poor Dad. You like that? <laughs> wow, that was the first one. No, it's um, it's a great book, but I'd say I was actually just looking at my bookshelf this morning in anticipation of this question. Nice. Um, and yeah, I, I think um. You know, Brandon, I know you've you've read it and you've talked about it a lot. It's the ABCs of Real Estate Investing by Ken McElroy. Yeah, um, if that's how you pronounce his last name, but yeah, it's it's a great book. Um, it's been a couple of years since I've been through it, but it really just opened my eyes to a totally different way of looking at real estate. So I thought it was awesome. Hey, if anybody knows Ken, you should tell him to get in touch with me. We want to have him on the show. So sure, yeah, yeah I've I've actually emailed with him back and forth. Um, so okay. I. I kind of, he's an acquaintance, I guess, but I could yeah. uh, hook us send up. him an email on your behalf. Yeah, yeah hook us up. Uh, all right, next, uh, favorite business book, non-real estate. <clears throat> yeah, um, I'd say probably one that I was reading a couple of years ago uh, was called Necessary Endings by a guy named uh, Henry Cloud. Uh, and the, the purpose of that book or the idea behind it is for people like both of you guys and myself, where we just have tons of stuff going on in our lives, just like millions of things pulling us in different directions for our attention and our time. And how do you figure out what to get out of your life? How do you say no to things? And how do you, one of the illustrations he has in that book is your life is kind of like a bush or a tree that's growing. And to keep anything like that healthy, you have to prune it. I mean, things have to be cut out of it. You can't say yes to everything. Um, and it's about just, you know, strategically picking the right things and making, making your life grow in the way that you want it to go. So it's, that was a, a big eye opening book for me. That's great. That's great. Yeah. yeah I, 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 I do that without reading that book. You know, my philosophy is kind of, I'm going to work with who I want to work with. You know, mm-hmm. it's like, I want to work with people who are nice and, and, who are fun to be around and you know sure. I don't care how big or bad your company is and and how much money you're going to make me if it's going to be a headache to work with you I'm not going to work with you That's and, why you and, don't return my phone calls Josh well, well, I get yeah. it. well you're just a headache to begin with but you, you know I you know I I, I love you Brandon Thanks <laughs> No yeah yeah you know but uh, anyway yeah so I I think you know I I think that's great and that that seems like a cool book to ch- check out and help help uh folks refine I guess their philosophies on on sure. what's going to work best for them so that's awesome uh, mm-hmm. How about hobbies what what do you uh what do you do for fun <clears throat> Yeah I guess uh just in the past year or so, the things I've been spending a lot of time on, um, I got the blog, spent a lot of time on that. Uh, that's been a lot of fun. Um, there's a, a really cool website that I found called Learning DSLR Video. And uh, it's about this guy who basically just makes videos using his DSLR camera. Ooh, I'll have to check and that this, out. This stuff is amazing quality. I mean, this guy does an awesome job. And I, 
just literally following his direction. I got a lot of the same equipment that he has and uses and learned some really cool tricks about how to make a video that really rises above what a lot of other people are posting on YouTube. And, and you do have thing. good videos. I've always been impressed. With. What camera do yeah, you have? Thank you. Uh, I use the Canon T3i. Ah, I have the same one. Nice. Oh, yeah. Cool. Yeah, yeah man. You, you can start doing it today if you want. So, so, so the guy who runs that that site, uh, his name's Dave. Uh, he's he's yep. actually a friend of mine out here. Are you serious? Said, yeah, yeah. He's no a way. super, super cool dude. Uh, oh, yeah, Dave, that's awesome. Yeah, Dave uh, Dugdale. He's got a... How do, where'd you meet him? Like, what's the uh, he had a he had a rental site called Rentvine, I think it was okay. called, and uh, yeah, we just connected. He's he's awesome. His photography is amazing. His videos incredible, and he's like he's one of the coolest guys. So if if ever you want to just link up with him, hit him up, and he's he's super super nice. Yeah, yeah, I've sent him a bunch of emails, and he always replies. And I mean, you can just tell from his videos, he's a very down to earth, nice guy, and. Uh, yeah, he's got a, an awesome website. So. Yeah, yeah, cool. that's great. Cool. Yeah. And we will link yeah. to that and the books in the show notes at biggerpockets.com slash show39. So, all right, last question of the day. What do you believe sets apart real estate investors who succeed and make actually a go at this, a living at this, and those who just come and leave without ever having any kind of impact? Yeah, no, that's a great question. I I think there's, I have a couple thoughts on that. First would be um, the people who really succeed and just knock it out of the park over the long term. Um, but the people who, I guess, figure out what kinds of specific actions result in making money. Um, I mean, really, I mean, the goal, generally speaking, for all investors is to make money um, and to get financial freedom and do all that. Um, and it's a matter of just understanding like, what do I have to do that's actually going to result in that? You know, if I waste five hours a day on Facebook, is that going to do it? Or if I go out and send offers to people, is that going to do it? You know, um, there's a lot of times it's, it's very easy for people like us to think we're doing good work by trying to build up our following and all this stuff. And, you know, I'm sure that comes into play in some way, shape or form, but I mean, that is not the specific actions that I think people should be taking if they really want to start making a lot of money. Yeah. Um, and I, I know, Josh, I heard you say it in the, uh, one of the forum posts a while back, um, impulsiveness just gets a lot of people. You know, I mean, they, they hear about the next new thing and they, they start wasting their time trying to be Shiny. <laughs> Squirrel. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's, it's, I mean, and I'm guilty of that too. I, I've done that over the past, you know, years of trying to do this. And it's, it takes a lot of discipline to just learn what works and just focus on that and become an expert in that. And, and remembering that an expert is somebody who knows more and more about less and less. It's not a jack of all trades and somebody who knows how to do everything. Um, so it's just, a, I'd say just focus and, you know, not getting distracted by the things that uh, waste time and money. So. <clears throat> Great advice for Brandon. <laughs> I don't waste money or time. What are you talking about? <laughs> Just mine. <laughs> Just yours. <laughs> Speaking of that, I needed that new computer we talked about. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Wait, true story. I got to buy him a new one. He likes to take his laptop and throw it around or something. Apparently. Uh, <laughs> All right. Listen, Seth, it's been awesome. Definitely been a pleasure. I had to say awesome because I don't think we said it the whole show. Yeah. So. People are laughing right now. We probably said it like a hundred times. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Well, listen, oh. it's been, been, a, been a pleasure having you on. We, yeah, we definitely appreciate it. And, and, and uh, you know, Seth is, is blogging for us on, on BP. So definitely check out his 
his uh, his posts on the uh, Bigger Pockets blog, and uh, also check him out on his own site at retipster.com retipster.com and he's got the radio voice to go with it <laughs> <laughs> all right seth take it easy man awesome. good, Thanks, good guys. You. appreciate your time yeah yep. thank you all right guys and that was our show with seth williams the re tipster and uh you definitely should make sure to link up with him on bigger pockets smart savvy guy who's more than welcome to share his feedback advice tips so on and so forth via bigger pockets and uh he's all over the web he's uh he's a funny dude he likes to share crazy silly stuff and and uh, he really uh honestly likes helping people out so uh certainly make sure you follow him hey real quick uh today if you're listening on thursday there's a post coming out which is my absolute favorite post ever on the bigger pockets blog and seth wrote it uh it's 20 uh, gifs or gifs, however you say that, uh, that only Bigger Pockets forums forum members would uh, would get. So definitely check that out. It's on the blog today, uh, later today. So at biggerpockets.com slash RE News blog. Yep. So yep. check it out. Very, very, very funny. My favorite thing I've read in a long time. Great. Wonderful. All right. And uh, if you are a, a regular listener, you'll know that we're going to tell you to go listen. Check us out on uh, Facebook, Twitter, G+. We're, we're, we're there Follow us, get involved, uh, connect, and and most importantly, make sure to join us on Bigger Pockets. Create a profile, and don't just create a profile and disappear, guys. I mean, there's really no point in doing that. You might as well not even show up. You know, it's it's uh, you know the value comes from interacting with people. You know, certainly Bigger Pockets is an awesome place to read, but you know if if you wanna if you wanna get the full power of 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 this community, get involved, participate, connect, ask questions, answer questions pretty much what i got for you you know we appreciate having you on board we appreciate having you as a listener this is me uh, signing off you're listening to bigger pockets radio simplifying real estate for investors large and small if you're here looking to learn about real estate investing without all the hype you're in the right place you're to join the millions of others who have benefited from biggerpockets.com your home for real estate investing online the market is changing, and finding your way can be tricky. Rates shift, headlines whirl, but your goal hasn't changed. You want financial freedom, and the best investors know it's not about timing the market, it's about time in the market. If you're ready to get into the real estate investing game or take your game to the next level, finding an investor-friendly agent is your next step. With BiggerPockets Agent Finder, you can find the right agent in minutes. Just head to biggerpockets.com deals and enter a few details about what and where you want to buy, and bam! Instantly match with an investor-friendly agent who fits the bill. These local market experts can help you navigate the neighborhoods, analyze the numbers, and take action with confidence once and for all. This free resource is only available at biggerpockets.com deals. Get an agent, get the deal, and get closer to financial freedom at biggerpockets.com deals. That's biggerpockets.com deals to find your investor-friendly agent today. The content of this podcast is for informational purposes only. Past performance is not indicative of future results, and all hosts and participant opinions are their own. Investment in any asset, real estate included, involves risk. Use your best judgment and consult with qualified advisors before investing. Only risk capital you can afford to lose. BiggerPockets LLC disclaims all liability for direct, indirect, consequential, or other damages arising from reliance upon information presented in this podcast.